I'm Alex. And I'm Steph. And this is Not Today. Ah, oh, geez, Rick. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Um, how's your week? My how week. How was your week? Uh, it was fine. You know, lots of work. Lots of um, research. Lots of research. Uh, currently just, you know, casually going through a quarter-life crisis. Nothing um, out Nothing of the ordinary. Out of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like everything's as it should be, I suppose. I think we can all agree that being in your 20s is like cool for like most of it, but also it sucks for a lot of it it's cool until you have to like you know face what to do with the rest of your life yeah and it becomes not cool right you face this burning question of who the hell am i and what the fuck am i doing and then you're like oh sick yeah (laughs) there's bills and credit scores and debt and And you're like not really into your (laughs) career yet so you're not stable and everything is just like a dumpster fire all the time Maybe. This is a very positive note to start the podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just where I'm at this week, which is fine. Um, you know, right? som- sometimes right, it's, it's right. It's fine. <laughs> can any, any, our 20s uh, listeners, can you uh, relate? Not. I hope you don't. I really hope you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, my week was fine. Um, you know, back to work, back on the old grind. The old grind. Yeah. What about you? Um. No, I've always been on the grind. Right. So just continuing to do that. Continuing said um, grind. That's where I'm at. Said grind. Yes. Um, doing the software thing. Great. So. Yeah, um, but uh, I'm excited for the story this week. It is going to be uh, not so. I heard this yeah. story first um, on, I believe, I Survived. It's one of those. But, um, okay. Yeah, you know, no, you've been super discreet about researching like yeah. this week. Yeah, because it's so. just it's just such a like crazy story. I mean, they all are, but this one, I don't know. Like my my sister, um, I was talking to her, and uh, she was like, "Oh, do you remember that story where blank 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 happened?" And oh, I was yeah. like, "I can't wait for blank." You definitely can't. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, I totally forgot about that." And then I, you know, found it, and here we are, one week okay. later. So well, tell me. Let's get it started. What's um, going on? So this week we're going to be talking about. Susan Kuhnhausen, or rather Susan Walters, as she goes by now. Kuhnhausen. Um, but at the time, she was Susan Kuhnhausen. It's a great name. Well, <laughs> it's an okay name. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Not because All Susan, right, geez, not like because Susan isn't good. Dumping on Susan's name. Oh, no, what no. What are you doing? I'm not dumping on Susan's portion of the name. Anyway, you'll figure it out. But anyway, so <laughs> most of my sources this week come from uh the willamette week and also the episode of i survived that she's on and also an episode of the show who the bleep did i marry oh my god (laughs) so there's that um so susan had not witnessed a lot of happy marriages growing up her father was an air force cook and her mother a homemaker but they were separated by the time she was in second grade so life was pretty chaotic as you know these children moved from Colorado to Arizona to California, Nevada, shuffling between schools, homes, and parents. She said that my parents loved me, but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage any more than they could teach me how to fly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, not a lot of credit, but uh, <laughs> I thought that was funny. But um, so, Susan 
became a licensed a licensed practical nurse and then a registered nurse and she moved to Oregon in the early 80s settling first in Coos Bay C-O-S Bay and later Portland uh, okay. I feel like there there has to be at least one to two things that I s- just simply cannot pronounce in yep. in every well, single episode. We've already met our quota. So. Yes. <laughs> it's good. Good luck. Thank you so much. Um, so Susan, she, so she's in Portland. And Susan was an, an emergency room nurse for many years at Providence Portland Medical Center in Portland, Oregon. Um, and everyone loved her. She was outgoing and vivacious. Um, Susan unleashed a loud and boisterous laugh. She was the type of person who would sit in the front row at a comedy club, which I feel like takes a very ballsy. Yeah. A very special type of person to like willingly sit front row at a comedy club. Yeah. You will get like shit uh, on observed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And shit on. (laughs) Yeah. Very lightly putting it. You'll get observed. (laughs) Um, but yeah, she was just that type of person. She was very lively. Um, so in 1988, a friend of Susan and her uh, Susan's mother paid for a personal ad for Susan in the Willamette Week, which is actually the uh, the source that I got most of my information from. So this is like in the past. It was the same th- like newsletter, I guess. Okay. Um, so they paid for a personal ad for her um, that said, "quote Someone different, SWF," which I believe means single white female. I believe. Um, oh. <laughs> so anyway, what? why wouldn't you just say that? <laughs> well, it's just like an abbreviation because I think I think you have to pay by the word or something by the but, character. Yeah. So uh, it said someone different. SWF thirty three overweight but not over life seeks single male who wants more out of a relationship than just slender. <laughs> Which I'm like, just slender. Oh, ma'am. Oh, god. You are my hero. That is incredible. I loved it. The confidence and her her uh, chutzpah. Oh yeah, I mean she's very confident and lively awesome. and just good. And yeah. I I loved reading that. I was like, oh shit, I love that. <laughs> um, so. Uh, one afternoon, Susan received a letter from Mike Kuhnhausen, who said, "Hi, different. My name is Mike." So he just. <laughs> He just let in with a dad joke. Yes. Well, because she said, you know, someone different in her thing. So she was like, hi, different. I'm dad. Anyway. <laughs> um, so so uh, it said, hi, different. My name is Mike. I am a 39-year-old DWM, whatever that means. Uh, I don't know what the D is. Dude with money? Dude, the, I wish. That was, no, it wasn't, definitely wasn't that, Um, but DWM, and it says, I enjoy most things in nature from wandering in the uh, ape caves at Mount St. Helens to walking on the beach at sunset, and he left a number to call him on the letter, so she called him up. So he literally wrote her a letter. Yes, because it was, it was like an ad in the paper. It wasn't like, you know, so he just sent her a letter and being like, hey. like, Wow. What I people know. did before Tinder. Like, it was, right. was amazing. Yeah. I think actually the uh, the more um, recent one is Hinge. I know a lot of people still have Tinder, but I think Hinge oh. is where it's at. Am I behind the times? Yeah. That's... We've been out of the game. Damn, I've been out of the game. That's all right. Um, Wait, so how many marriages have successfully started via letter? Via letter? <laughs> that would be... That's an interesting question. I have no idea. Um, but so he left a number on on the letter that he sent her. And so she called him up when she got the letter because she's like, hmm, interesting. And the day she first spoke with Mike by telephone, which was January 30th, 1988, she marked the day in her kitten-themed daybook with a smiley face and a red ballpoint pen. 
Oh my god. Just painting the picture for you. <laughs> this is the 90s? Uh, 1988. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, late 80s. Um, she said he was very pleasant sounding when she first heard his voice. Um, she said he had a nice voice and I was impressed. Uh, he wanted to talk about deeper things. Oh, to that so I deep. say, what deeper things? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? He doesn't sound... Anyway. Um, <laughs> he had been married once before and had two young children. But best of all, he wasn't afraid to fall in love again. And Susan and Mike spoke on the phone many times before actually meeting. Over a uh, hundred hours, Susan estimates. Um, for the first date in February of 1988, they met at the Crystal Springs... Uh, oh, here's, here's word number oh, two here's. that I don't know how to say. Uh, Crystal Springs Rodo, whoa, whoa, Rhododendron... Rhododendron Garden... Uh, rhododendron yep it's a lot of o's and d's and rhododendron garden our garden yep next to reed college where they fed ducks and mike tossed unsalted peanuts to squirrels how romantic how romantic what a guy um mike was more of a homebody but uh didn't seem to mind susan's extroverted ways um, Susan said he never really wanted to go out to a restaurant, so they did a lot of simple things, but this was fine to her because she still had plenty of opportunities to do things with friends and go places and travel, and he seemed to be fine with that. Um, so in May of 1988, they moved in together, and then the relationship took off from there. That December, they got married in front of their families in Reno, Nevada. So just okay. not very long before they tied the old knot how long um they met the first date was in february and they were married in december so less than one year yes wow. just about okay as all great marriages start yes well no i mean you know great marriages can start in less than can. one year okay but you know i'm over i feel like the ones that but i mean maybe there could <laughs> the be ones bad that ones go too wrong. <laughs> Um, and this was one of those, so unfortunately for Susan. But so they picked Reno because Mike liked to play slots, and Susan said, what bigger gamble in life is there than marriage? Right. Right. <laughs> I feel like if, if that's the, uh, the attitude that's the you attitude have there, <laughs> yeah, like, that says something, like, Susan. <laughs> uh, uh, they're like giving their vows instead of I do. It's like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Um, so Susan was proud of herself that she was brave enough to get married and she was proud of Mike that he was brave enough to marry for a second time. So she was very optimistic about their life together. She loved Mike's kids and they were like her own. And at first everything seemed great until one night Mike brought up that marriage changes people. And he asked Susan, who do you think is going to change more? You or me? And this was a little... Hello? A little weird to Susan. She's like, what kind of question is that? But so it turns out that Mike isn't a very happy or easygoing guy. And unfortunately for Susan, she had to find that one out post-marriage. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so, but she didn't know that he was like not a happy guy over 10 months? I don't think so. I, well, I think it also got pro progressively worse as time went on. And also, um, I think they were still in, I mean, you know in kind 10 the, months it was kind of the honeymoon phase right. he's probably on his best behavior because he's trying to you know true you know. yeah it's just weird that he i don't know probably was able to keep up a charade for that long i mean yes but also like she said 
he didn't have a problem with her going out and seeing friends and whatever. So she was able to get her like, you know, her little fix of fun without him. So now mm. that she's now they're married and things are kind of changing a little bit and not for the better. So Mike was uh, working as a janitorial supervisor for Oregon Entertainment, the parent company of Fantasy Adult Video. Right. So that must right. have not yeah, been the best. Looking there. And also sticky. Sticky. <laughs> no? An adult entertainment store? Janitor? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I understand why he might not have been the happiest version of Mike. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. I mean, but you know, that that's not obviously the whole reason. He's just a miserable man. So. But this could not have helped. No, definitely did not help, <laughs> unfortunately. So Mike uh, chain smoked while guzzling Diet Cokes. And if she tried to kiss him, he'd burp. So... Just a grade A okay. man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, right? That's like gross as hell. But that's what he'd do. So love okay. that. Um, he would give Susan a hard time about her plans when she went out and he watched her spending and complained about minor purchases like when Susan would go to the movies with friends or get dinner, which was pretty baffling to Susan because she had always made more money than him and their finances were never an issue. So he was just very controlling and like had a problem with everything. He just would nitpick her for literally everything. And she was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. first of all, I'm the breadwinner. I can spend my money how I'd like. And also we have no financial problems. So what's the thesis? It's you like, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to stop going to Ponderosa. Yeah, I like, mean, I'm not going to not go to the movies yeah. with my friends. Okay. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. No, this is funny because um, I think my, my dad has had some of these nitpicking with my mom. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, you know, she would come back at him and then be like, look at all your spending. Oh, and yeah. then he would be like, oh. <laughs> oh, word. <laughs> when you put it like that. Um, yeah. But so, I mean, but it wasn't like an equal yeah. thing. And he was just like kind of mean about it. So well, he can't even kiss her without burping. So like, I don't know. This is not surprising and just not helping his case whatsoever. Yeah, not good. Um, so how, how? How long into this are we? Ooh, uh, like... at this point, I don't know. But the I, I'll, I'll... It seems like soon, like very suddenly after marriage. You're yeah. Like, Uh-oh. Yes. It's like I've just signed a legal contract. Yeah. That I would like to get out of. Yes. No, it, it was kind of like an oh shit moment for her. And it did definitely get worse over time. But Susan was really determined to make it work because she like, she made a vow, you know, and that was really yeah. important to her. And she wanted to hold it and right you know be successful at it because her parents weren't you know yeah she's a good soul she yes she is a good soul so it was clear at that point that things had really shifted in mike and they were only continuing to get worse susan's good friend helen also noticed and said as time went on mike seemed to get even more negative she couldn't even call susan without mike listening in and frequently susan would just hang up with helen because she didn't want to deal with mike which i'm like what the fuck? You're listening into her phone calls with her friends? Why? Like for what? That's uh, creepy. Yeah, like no. that is that is a no, whole no. other level of control. Yeah. I mean, but this does kind of seem like the typical abusive husband story where he's trying to like isolate her from her friends. Oh, for sure. And yeah, and he did isolate her from her friends and from her family and like he was just controlling and like gross. What the fuck? Yeah. So by the winter of 2002, Mike revealed that he thinks he had never really been happy. 
Okay. That's to hear that as your wife. It's like, hey, I've never ever been happy. It's like, oh, um, sorry about that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we should probably look into this. <laughs> yeah. So he said he wasn't even sure what happiness was. His philosophy was, life's a shit sandwich, and every day you take another bite until you die. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty bleak outlook. Yeah. Right. Like. Cheese. Um, so, so maybe a counselor yeah therapy maybe something in order for mike yeah that is no way to live yeah. um mike had spent time in vietnam um and susan's brother believed that mike showed signs of pro- post-traumatic stress mm. which you know it, like you can get help for that i mean it's obviously terrible and you know whatever I, I guess i don't really know too much about it but like there are people who have post-traumatic stress who aren't douchebags yeah like mike was mike was struggling from douchebagginess <laughs> and on top of it ptsd yes but yeah it is it's definitely serious it's like it just sounds like he wouldn't have he sounds like the type of person who wouldn't have wanted to get help oh yeah and like maybe in this time it was like definitely not or is like stigmatized to go get help for sure yeah that know? that's tough and i'm i'm definitely not saying that that isn't hard and terrible but yeah, but on top but of that, <laughs> yeah, but person. this particular man made it worse. So Susan said that his anxiety, his anger, and abandonment issues had gotten very intense and disruptive. So she asked him to go to counseling with her, but he said no because he said counseling had pretty much sealed the deal on his first divorce. But Susan came back at that and said, "Well, I'll divorce you if you don't try." I like that. Yeah. That's a power move. Yeah. Susan has a lot of power moves. We'll get into those later. But so he agreed to go finally. But I did predict correctly that he is not the type of person who wanted to go to therapy. Yes, you are correct. I'd like to note that for the record. Congratulations. Point one for me. Gold star for you. Gold star, please. Um, So (laughs) that summer goes by and there had been no real improvements. So Susan suggested they have a trial separation. She said, I cared about him, but I didn't want to live with him anymore. I just wanted to be happy again. And I don't blame her. At that point, it had been quite some time. Susan lasted so long with Mike because she said she never wanted to be a failure at marriage. So she worked very hard to build the relationship over 17 years. Wow. That's how long. I kind of wanted to wait to give it like a grand reveal because that's a lot of time. Yeah. You know? She, I think she gave him more than enough time. Yeah, I think so. Um, but she said no matter how many times she tried to change her life to accommodate his needs, it was not working. Susan said she had witnessed domestic violence within her family and in her professional life, and she felt that at the point that they were at in their relationship, they were at risk of domestic violence happening. So she wasn't happy, and he had never been happy, and they decided they needed to separate for their safety, or for Susan's safety, essentially. Why? Because Susan believed that he was like so angry and whatever that he could potentially become physical so she's like i'm gonna step away from this before that happens wow which is also a power move because not a lot of people can do that you know yeah she is definitely the exception yeah so hats off to her but for sure was there any signs that he was going to become physical well she said that his like anger and abandonment issues and anxiety and all the things had gotten so intense and disruptive that she was like i i don't she sees where it's going yeah she just saw where it was going because like i said earlier she had seen the same thing happen to people she knew in her life and also Mm. she's an er nurse 
So she's right. seen that. So Mike moved in with his father, but Susan tried to keep things as normal as possible and continued to maintain a friendship with him. They would all still spend time as a family, but her one request was that he not come over when she's not there. She was concerned that he was coming to the house when she wasn't home and going through her things. So is this like their house that they bought together? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I guess, their house, but Susan was definitely the breadwinner and also mike had moved in with his father Mm. so susan never ended up changing the locks because she didn't think she needed to and they still shared the alarm code which was their anniversary she said she didn't feel angry at all and she just wanted to move on so she didn't see the the need in changing the locks or the alarm code because why would she need to you know yeah it's something to easily slip your mind but yeah um yeah she did feel like he was going to be physically threatening eventually so yeah i don't know i feel like probably better safe than sorry yeah but i mean she said like from her perspective she wasn't angry you know it was it was just him and she figured that like them being separated would kind of diffuse the situation a little bit but right unfortunately it kind of aggravated it yeah she just wanted to move on and susan knew that she was finally happy without mike but Mike was far from thrilled with this change. There was one instance when Susan had some friends over and included Mike, but he was sitting off to the side and had a very strange look in his eyes that Susan and her friends all identified as scary. And Susan said that 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 was the day that she realized that he was getting angrier and she was going to have to file for a full divorce. It had been about six whole months of separation at this point, and Susan was still worried that Mike had been coming into her home to find things about her life without him. So she continued to move forward with the divorce and separated their bank accounts. Good move. Yeah, definitely a good move. So on the afternoon of September 6th, 2006, around 3 p.m., Susan was about to head out of town for a nursing convention and made one last call to Mike before she was going to pack up and leave. She said on the phone he seemed really agitated to hear from her and said he couldn't take it anymore. He told her he was going to the beach, but had left her a note at home. Later that day, when Susan ended her shift at Providence Portland Medical Center, she headed to Perfect Look Hair Salon on East Burnside Street. As she waited for her turn, she picked up a copy of Oprah magazine and read a poem. It said, I will not die in unlived life. I will not live in fear. Which I just thought was another little interesting tidbit to put in there right before we get into the main event. So at around 6.30 that evening, she arrived home, rested and relaxed after her hair appointment. She disarmed her alarm, and in the mudroom at the back of the house, Susan found a note by the microwave from Mike that said, Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach. Wait, what? He still doesn't have access to our house. Well, he does. I mean, she, yeah, she asked him not to go over, but he had told her that he left her a note, and it wasn't crazy that he got in, because again, he, she didn't change the locks, and he knew the code, so. True. So he left her a note, and this, this wasn't the weird part. So yeah, the note said, Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach. He added at the end that he'd see her on Friday or Saturday at the bottom, or no, he added that he would see her on either Friday or Saturday, and at the bottom he wrote, love me. So uh, that was the note. And she didn't really think anything of it. She was like, okay. Yeah, pretty benign. Yeah. So then she walked the house to the front door and then went back outside. She stood for a minute or two in the front yard, flipping through her mail. 
When she came back inside, she kicked off her Birkenstocks and noticed that the door to her bedroom was partially closed and it was dark in there. This stuck out to her because every morning she would open the curtains and let the light in, but it wasn't super weird and she was like, oh, I guess I must have forgotten that morning. So as she's walking toward the door, her bedroom door, a man that Susan does not recognize comes out from behind her bedroom door wearing yellow rubber gloves and wielding a red and black claw hammer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, not great. So this man was five foot nine, 59 years old and weighs or weighed 190 pounds. He wore dockers, a blue striped shirt and a tan baseball hat pulled down over his eyes. He had a long ponytail that was tucked up into the hat. And the man rushed at Susan, swinging this claw hammer, and landed the first blow on her left temple, and then kept swinging after that. So Susan quickly realized that she was trapped and would need to do everything she could to stay alive. But Susan wasn't like most people. She was an emergency room nurse, as we said earlier, and uh, this was, you know, she was emergency room nurse for nearly 30 years. And during her time as an ER nurse, she had disarmed injured men, helped crack open people's chests to perform heart massages, and administered IVs into into patients thrashing from drug withdrawal. And also, she and all the other nurses at Providence trained regularly in self-defense, learning how to slip out of headlocks and clutches. So her years of training steadied Susan, who was actually still wearing her blue scrubs when she remained home that day. When her assailant came at her, Susan crowded him, knowing the swings of the weapon would have less force if she stayed close. Which is so true, and one time in stage combat we talked about this. I love stage combat, but like, it's it's so true. The... Um, this is such a stupid aside. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm I'm ready to hear it, but the um, closer you are to somebody, the less like hard they can hit you with anything. Yeah, yeah, because you know if you're farther away, because when when I learned about it, we were like using like broadswords, and you know if they're if you're far away from the person and they swing with all their might, they're gonna hit you like you're gonna die pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then if you get close to them, they can't like use the weapon on you so but you wouldn't think like someone coming at you with a weapon oh let me get closer to that person right i was like this is very counterintuitive yeah so clearly she's trained in in self-defense which is very important to her survival yeah so as this is happening she she charges him and she's screaming as loud as she can who are you what do you want but he didn't stop Susan was about five foot four, which was a whole five inches shorter than this man. And she had two bad knees from from repeated injuries and she was overweight. But what Susan did have on him was that she outweighed her attacker significantly. So she used this and hoped to push him over as she slammed her body up against his. He didn't fall and instead he pushed Susan's back up against the walls of her bedroom while she's still struggling to get the hammer away from him. In this moment, he looked at her and said, you're strong, which really shook Susan because that's uh, not what you want to hear. And she said this was like a terrible awakening because in that moment, she realized he is here to kill me. She didn't know why or who he was, but his intent was very clear. You're strong. That's what you have to say. Yeah, no, not great. I mean, I don't know. I guess it'd be even more eerie if he like didn't say anything. I, Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> but she said that was like when when it clicked that she he wasn't there to like rob her. He was going to kill her. 
Yeah. So the man had never asked Susan for money or drugs or if she had any guns. And she said it was very clear that he was there to kill her. Um, Susan said what she saw in his eyes and heard in his voice really scared her because he was not afraid. And the worst part was he seemed excited. Disgusting. Yeah. But Susan was not going down without a fight. So she grabbed him by the neck and told the man as they were in, as they were nose to nose, she said, you are not going to kill me in my own home. And she squeezed until he was purple. When she thought he was about to drop, she got scared and let go. Susan then got control of the hammer and remembered that when she was a little girl, her father told her to use the claw end of a hammer because it would work the best. So she used, (laughs) yeah, which is good advice. (laughs) I mean, yeah, for this situation, go for it. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was like in a self-defense situation. Um, So she used the claw end of the hammer and hit the man in his head three or four times and then attempted to run back down the hallway. But as soon as the man was back on his feet, he grabbed Susan from behind. He spun her around and began punching her in the face and then, and then she fell to the ground. Susan looked to the left and saw the phone, saw the, like the phone receiver, but it was too far away for her to reach. The man is now standing over her with the hammer about to hit her again, but she knew that if he did, she would be dead. So she's filled with rage adrenaline and fear and was able to grab his legs and pull him down to the floor with her to continue fighting for the hammer she started to bite him she bit him twice on his forearm then upper arm and then she bit his upper back and right flank on his thigh and then uh or and he still didn't let go of the hammer but at this point they were side by side and she was able to bite his dick (laughs) i love that oh my god yes ma'am bite his dick did she bite it off no i mean he was wearing pants but she she bit it wow which to that i say stop good good job um (laughs) there's no rules because you think when you think about no rules when you think about like you know fighting that's the correct response you you bite them in the dick i mean she's in a fight for her life yeah like you bite the dick. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you can. Oh yeah, there's no, there's literally no rules, is what I'm yeah. saying. But but Susan took advantage of the no rules thing and and bit the his no dick. rules thing <laughs> and and, uh, and bit his dick, right. which I love. So you know, all of this biting was with the hope that he would drop the hammer, or if she did get killed, she would be able to leave lasting marks on him that could be identified later. She even felt around in his pockets for anything like she was hoping to find his wallet or his ID or something and like throw it into another room. That way they could later identify him if they found her dead body. That's so smart. I know. I feel like How this is it all going through her head at this point. Because she's it's crazy. She's a badass. Yeah, she's prepared. But that's kind of like I was I was just thinking like the people who make it out are in that mindset, you know, because um, you have to be because Lisa McVeigh did the same shit. You know, she took out her tampon and she left all the fingerprints and she counted the number of stairs going up to his apartment. You know, like she did everything she could to leave a lasting impression of herself. That way, if she did die, they could at least find the fucker who did it. Yeah. You know, and that's what that's what Susan did, which is incredible. So Susan used her self-defense training and was able to wrestle this man for several minutes, but she soon realized that he wasn't going to give up his weapon, so she needed to become the weapon. 
She said she wanted him to be as afraid of her as she was of him. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So Please. she put her left leg over his right, uh, his right leg, which pushed him face down into the hardwood floors. She, at this point, was on... Oh, so she was on his backside, meaning she's on top of him, and leaned forward and placed her left arm under his neck and squeezed as hard as she could. Meanwhile, she's saying, tell me who sent you here and I'll call you a fucking ambulance. She's saying that yeah, to him? Yeah. Oh my she God. has she has him in a chokehold. So she's like, I'll call you an ambulance if you tell me who sent you here. Which oh is like, God. what? Could you imagine? It. Could you imagine? Yeah, I don't know. But like, that's such a... That's, again, another power move by Susan. Yes. But, like, could, that, the singing is what must have Oh, no, no, so... not singing. Saying. Oh. Saying. Saying. Yes. Okay, I thought she was singing. Could, could you, you imagine, imagine? <laughs> she was singing? <laughs> Tell was me singing. who sent you here and I'll call you a fucking ambulance. Could you? <laughs> that was, thank you, I'll be here all week. Yes. But, um, um, but so... <laughs> if she did sing it, like, that would have just been, like, kind of like this extra level of like i am crazy and yeah. i will fucking kill you That's while true. i'm singing i will give you i will call you an ambulance yeah like no. yeah i don't know i just feel like it would have been another level of unnerving for this man sure maybe but that's not what happened she just said that which i still is baller in my opinion uh so she let up a little bit so okay wait i'm gonna back up so she's choking him she says tell me who sent you here and i'll call you a fucking ambulance and then she let up a little bit on her choking to give him an opportunity to answer uh but he just tried to flip her over and off of him but she knew with certainty that if he got up she'd be dead so she leaned forward and choked him harder her intent was to apply enough pressure to each of his carotid arteries to make him pass out, but she knew that she needed to lean forward into it until he was finally still and everything went silent. So she didn't want to kill him, but she did. So the whole fight lasted around 14 minutes, which is a long ass time a long to be time. fighting someone to the death. Yeah. Like, could you? 14 minutes. That's a lot of like. like energy oh yeah i mean just i I, like i don't i i was trying to think about like how to put it into perspective and like if you are watching an action movie the fight scenes are like two minutes are probably two minutes like 14 like if you actually fought someone for 14 minutes you would be exhausted oh my god it would be incredibly exhausting but so anyway at this you you get it (laughs) so (laughs) at this point her heart rate was so incredibly high it felt like it would jump out of her chest and she was also bleeding profusely so susan grabbed the hammer and ran through the hall and the living room and then out of her house she had, uh, she had a hunch who was behind the attack and feared that things weren't over, so she ran to her neighbor's house. She banged on the door with the hammer and told her, uh, told her neighbor to call the police. She said, I've been attacked and I think I've killed a man. So during the 911 call, the dispatcher asked if Susan needed an ambulance. Susan told her neighbor to say no, that she's a nurse, but to call an ambulance for the guy because he might be dead. <laughs> which is like oh. not for me but for this bitch i just might have killed i just murked um so when the police got to the scene she asked if the man was dead and they told her that he was susan then said all she could think about was this man's family she said everybody has someone who loves them and she said the worst part of this was not that somebody tried to kill her but that she had to kill someone else so, like, wow. while we're talking about how, like, badass and, like, ah, kill the man, bite his dick, like, she is 
upset which i mean of course she took someone's life and she dedicated her life to helping people and saving their lives so this was incredibly difficult for susan and she's just an incredible person like the first thing you think about is not oh my god i just you know saved my life but like oh this man had a family and someone loved him like that is Mm. insane she was then transported to the same hospital where she worked every day for 30 years When Susan's friend Helen got to the hospital, she said Susan had lumps all over her head, a huge cut in her lip, bruises on her face, and bite marks on her arms. The first thing she said was, do you think Mike could have done this? Susan believed it was very possible he could have snapped and hired a hitman. Detectives soon learned that the man was in fact an an experienced hitman named Ed Haffey. When they started doing research on Taffy, they found that he had spent time in jail and had a criminal past that started well before the incident. So the next day, when Helen was at the house helping clean up from after the attack, she found an odd backpack in the basement. She said the top was open, and when she looked inside, she found a notebook with Mike's cell phone number in it and a note that said, Call Mike, dated from two days before the attack. Interesting. So... You're just gonna leave that there <laughs> like this is not suspicious at all right like uh you have backpacks like that right yeah for sure which i mean first of all when i heard that helen discovered the backpack i was like um why was helen a part of a crime scene right <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's literally evidence and they like what So anyway, Helen found it. She gave it to the police, but Mike was still nowhere to be found. Um, The police's main priority was locating Mike Kuhnhausen because, I mean, for very obvious reasons. Susan was really scared, but as soon as she was released from the hospital, she went back home where she listened to messages that Mike had left her on her landline. She said a man who was always agitated over the smallest things didn't sound like he was concerned at all that his wife had narrowly been murdered the night before and she knew that he had done this to her. Nine days later, Portland police finally caught up with Mike and just like uh, his note to Susan claimed, he was at the beach 20 miles away. Oh, so they didn't... It took him nine days to check the beach? I guess. <laughs> yeah, that also was kind of like, huh? Like, he was exactly like he where he said you, he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he told you, yeah. He told you where he was going. But yeah, so nine days later. And when they when they got him, he wasn't concerned about Susan at all. He was just concerned about himself, which is very incriminating, if you ask me. Right. Um, and this was on the news And Mike would have seen coverage, but he never called the police to be like, hey, that's my wife. He never came to the neighborhood to ask the neighbors what they might have seen or what happened. So Mike was unbothered. And when police questioned him about the day of the attack, he admitted that he had been to the house to drop off the note. And he revealed that he knew Ed Haffey, which was a huge slip up on his part because now he made a direct contact or a a direct connection with himself and with his wife's attempted murderer. So officers arrested Mike on the spot and his bail was set at $1 million. What had happened was pretty clear. Mike had access to the residence and he had been there earlier in the day and police believe that he had let Ed Haffey inside at the same time that he left the note. They believed that his motive was money, since Susan took care of the family, and without her, he lost his lifeline. 
So over the next year, while they built up a case against Mike, he denied any involvement in Susan's attack. But finally, on September 7th, 2007, he folded and pled guilty. So Mike Kuhnhausen was char- charged with solicit. <laughs> I'm mm. I'm dying. Mike Kuhnhausen. <laughs> I think I'm dying. Mike Kuhnhausen was charged with solicitation of aggravated murder, and he was sentenced to ten years in prison. But he died of cancer while he was uh, in prison six months prior to his release date. So what I thought was pretty baller was in Susan's victim impact speech in court against him, she said, "Quote: If I believed you deserved to die, I would have had the balls to do it myself." Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what she said. Yep, that's what she said to Mike. That's uh, A1. Yeah. That's A1 Susan is Susan. Susan is like a whole different type of woman. I, I love yeah. her. Yes. But so Susan still struggles with the fact that she took a life that day. When it all comes down to it, she said, I have no shame because I didn't choose his death. I just chose my life, which is true. That's, that's I mean, very true. that's the only way you can look at it, you know, because I mean, taking a life without (laughs) planning it you know when you just come home from work and you kill someone like that is traumatic with a capital t so but i mean if there it sounds like there wasn't any more justified you could have been oh no no i mean she was truly fighting for her life i mean this man entered her home with the intention to kill her with a claw hammer might i add like you are a hitman and your your weapon of choice is a claw hammer yeah why that's brutal that's brutal you want to bludgeon someone to death that's your choice yeah interesting well to be honest thank god she killed him because yeah what if he did it to somebody else well yeah i mean he was a known hitman so clearly he had done it before and he would have done it again Mm -hmm. (laughs) he would have done it again so susan lived in that home for a while longer but eventually moved out um yeah I, i don't know if i could have been staying there yeah i mean she yeah i mean she stayed there for a while and she said that she didn't let the incident affect her time or i mean affect like the fact that she lived there and she moved out when she felt it was right so it wasn't like right after she lived there for a little while after that and then she moved out when she was finally ready to like fully move on Mm. Um, on her terms yeah it was fully on her terms which i think is also baller (laughs) um just badass times 10. So her brother said that Susan is different, but she's uh, more like a better version of herself now. And Susan still works as an ER nurse. And she now goes by Susan Walters, as I said, but um, she puts her focus on advocacy and the development of a web-based portal for crime victims. She stresses the importance of self-defense training. She said that she survived because she had training and knew how to minimize her injury, which I think is very true. And I, Mm. like, her story has kind of inspired me to, like, take a self-defense class. (laughs) Because, yes, I took stage combat but that's not the stage same. combat that's yeah, not the same that's not self-defense <laughs> that's not self-defense <laughs> so uh yeah I, I will be doing that and i urge every person listening to also do that for susan you know and for Good yourself for <laughs> yeah, um, this, this podcast is sponsored by uh... susan <laughs> thank you susan she wants to find even more peace in her life and she wished mike could have seen how much their family loved him and that is the story wow, that's her that's her attitude yeah I don't know, she's it just sounds like she's so pure like she she's, is yeah 
Yeah, she's pure and like... She's 100% that bitch. She, that is <laughs> the perfect way to put it. I couldn't have said it better. That is very true. Yeah, and I, I just like the way... Like just the way she thinks, you know? She's like... Yeah. She's like, like when she finds out that she killed the, her attempted murderer, she's like, someone loved him. Like, yes. that's insane. And then she's like, oh, I wish Mike could have known how much we loved him. Right. Which is like, he hired a man to kill you with a claw hammer. Yeah. I she can't say. She still manages to find the, yeah. the bright side of him. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I feel the same way about Mike that she does, but. No. I don't think we do. No, I don't. Any of us I, do, really. Yeah, I don't think so. Is anyone, is anyone out here like, well, you know, he did have, yeah, you know, he had PTSD and, yeah. Uh, yeah. He worked at an adult film store. Yeah. No. <laughs> but um, anyway, that is the, the story of Susan Walters. That's, <laughs> that's it. I've died. That's my story. That's my part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is, uh, it is, that is so i just can't even imagine like your life kind of like going into this like place that quickly like after you just finished a shift she's like trying to relax just got her hair done can i just get my hair done and go put my feet up yeah kick off my birkenstocks yeah and um, then and then like that the eerie feeling she must have like kind of felt in the back of her head when she saw the door like half half um closed yeah she's like oh i probably just forgot and you're like oh uh, no yeah yeah anyway what's your good thing um i'm gonna let you go first this week because you have to think about it for a second <laughs> for sure um yeah my good thing is that my parents got both of their vaccines which is exciting because they are high risk people and I didn't want them to get COVID. And now right. they have vaccines, which is exciting. True. I can I can kinda take a little breath. You know, it's obviously we're not out of the out of the woods yet, but um There's a light. There is a light emerging at the end of the tunnel, which yes. is cool. Did we they were... get the second dose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so they're good. Yeah, now they're just waiting there like two weeks for it to be like fully antibodied up fully operational yeah interesting well that's good and i also on top of that i can get the vaccine like starting tomorrow which is also exciting very nice (laughs) yes so So that's two good things we'll actually be checking after this podcast to see if you can make an appointment yeah i've I've been checking all day to try and make appointments because i can start tomorrow but like i'm hoping they open the portal early or something so i'm just trying but true yeah those are my good things vaccine related yeah i think uh johnson and johnson just came out with a new vaccine they did for, it's only for one those dose coming to a true crime survival podcast for vaccines news yeah <laughs> this right. is what you get <laughs> yeah well you know um it's what's going on in the world oh uh, did i say uh did i say my good thing last week was like the wedding oh uh, yeah you definitely still, did I definitely did. Yeah. All right, whatever. I don't need a new good thing, okay? It's still it's good. It's still a good thing. It's still good. <laughs> and it's still in the future, so. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm about to book uh, stuff for that, but it'll it'll be exciting. I get to see my family, so. For sure. All right, well, on that note, uh, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram and keep up with the pictures and everything that we post about each of the cases, follow us at no, no, no follow us no no uh follow us at not today underscore podcast if you or anyone you know has a story of 
anything, send me your stories um, at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok at nottodaypodcast. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.